How do you do, everyone? Welcome back to the latest installment of the Lifetime Booking Podcast with me, your host, Stephen Hook. We are looking at the life, well, in-ring life and career of current AEW superstar Pac. However, where we are in his timeline, he is with WWE in NXT as Adrian Neville. I will interchange those names a lot because I'm dumb and I spent a long time calling him Pac and I've got different names. So, yeah. Pack Neville, it's all good. It's it's who it's the man we're here to talk about. Um, last episode, like I said, he is in NXT 2013. He is getting his feet wet in the company. He's made his debut against Sakamoto. He almost immediately gets put into the tag team scene. He teams up with Oliver Gray as part of British Ambition to become one half of the inaugural NXT Tag Team Champions. Um, he then, after Ollie Gray gets injured, they drop the belts to. The Wyatt family. Neville then gets a new partner in Corey Grays and they win the titles back. They then lose the championships to the Ascension and after some nefarious, heelish things from Corey Graves, Neville then turns into a singles competitor. As part of the tag team scene, he did battle with the likes of the Wyatt family and the Ascension. Um, and when he transitioned to a single star, of course, Corey Graves was in there a lot. Sami Zayn, Dean Ambrose... Cesaro and then eventually Bo Dallas with whom he feuded well they feuded over the NXT championship uh, Bo Dallas reigning champion at the time progressing into 2014 Neville would challenge Bo a lot Bo would always find some way of winning whether it's through uh, nefarious cheating using outside distractions such as Tyler Breeze it all culminated in NXT's inaugural WWE Network event um, at which point Neville claimed the NXT Championship in NXT's first ever ladder match. He would battle and defend against the likes of Tyler Breeze, TJ, nope, uh, Tyson Kidd, because we're not marks here, uh, Rob Van Dam, of all people, Bo Dallas, and Titus O'Neil, again, of all people. And as we progress through the year, we've got to start at the tail end of 2014. Neville would drop the belt to Sami Zayn, who at this point has been going... on a very organic um, rise up the card as well as the underdog from the underground. He had this like just pure baby face support behind him from the NXT Ultras. And yep, that culminated in Zayn defeating Neville for the championship. And as we head into 2015, Neville is... Yet to be able to show how much it meant to Zayn, other than a very awkward um, hug following that match at TakeOver. Because, you know, Sami Zayn's offering out the hand. Neville kicks it away instead of just like brushes it away. And then he gives him a big old bro hug. Um, but following that match, Neville and the rest of the NXT locker left for Sami Zayn to celebrate his new championship win with his old best buddy, Kevin Owens, uh, the former Kevin Steen, uh, who decides to murder Sami Zayn for reasons as yet to be explored fully. And yeah, we go into 2015. Neville hasn't been able to say, Sammy, you, you big goof, you dumb beat me, you, you, yeah, yeah, love you, but oh, gee. And yeah, he's yet to get vengeance on Kevin Owens for beating him up. So. A lot of things for Neville to clarify as we go into 2015. He is back on a mammoth work schedule 
um you know back with he was with uh dragon gate as whereas pack he was doing like 144 match years he was sometimes wrestling two or even three times a night and that's starting to come back as he gets into the very hard rigors of wwe so in 2015 he works 188 matches which averages of more than one match every two days um which is just hella wild um he is soon to quote unquote graduate to the main roster because you know this is when nxt was definitely the developmental brand and now it is in a bit of an identity crisis but we won't go into that and yeah up until now or for now i should say because he is still in nxt we are going to go through his career via the tv timeline if you still didn't understand from last week we are going through when his matches are broadcast to fans and to the universe so this is all because nxt at the time was pre-recorded he would have a match in say april that wouldn't get broadcast as part of nxt tv till say june and that got confusing so i was like we're just going to do it so live shows and live events happen as they do because the storyline that's how they tell the stories and then as he's published out into the world for a pre-recorded nxt that's when we'll take the matches at face value so i can't wait for him to get drafted up to maine and everything's gonna be live again and it's gonna be so much easier again and yeah so for now just have to deal with the fact that i'm traveling through time peachy right then let's get into it january then and on the 8th of january episode of nxt tv our boy neville does not have a match he instead um as Sami Zayn is out in the ring giving an interview saying cheers y'all for making me believe in myself and i'm so great now and i've got a belt and yeah um Neville comes out, interrupts Sami Zayn's interview and says, uh, he basically just says his piece to Zayn about that previous match uh, and that he's he's disappointed but ultimately, disappointed in himself for losing, but ultimately he's he admits that the better man won in the match. They shake hands out of respect, they are good friendos, and then they are eventually joined by NXT general manager William Regal. Between the three of them, they all agree that Neville does deserve a rematch, and that match is set for the next week on NXT TV. NXT Championship match. Sami Zayn, new champion Sami Zayn, will defend against Adrian Neville. Let's go to next week, the 15th of January episode of NXT. And Sami Zayn successfully retains. Because, just, of course, you don't... Yeah, yeah, obviously. In the post-match, though, something that's less obviously done in yeah, whatever. Uh, Kevin Owen comes out and just attacks a pair of them. Giving Zayn the pop-up powerbomb in the middle of the ring. He... He's got a weird way of showing love and affection. Um, I'm recording this on the night of, or the day of WrestleMania Part 2, or Night 2. So, what's this? Six years later? Just over six years later, and they're still going at it. Um, wrestling. This is largely done to signify that Neville, for now at least, is pretty much done directly with Sammy. He's still interested in the XT Championship for now, but Sammy has got business elsewhere. He's he's looking at Kevin Owens like, why why are you hurting me, bro? I thought we were bros. And Neville's like, all right, you deal with that. I'm gonna go over here for a little while because uh, natural progression of challenges, I guess. And he's lost his rematch, so you know you can't you can't challenge every week. That gets boring. 
The following week on NXT TV, there is no match for Neville, although he is named as part of a number one contendership tournament for the NXT Championship. Uh, it's going to be Adrian Neville, Finn Balor, Curtis Axel, Tyler Breeze, Hideo Itami, Tyson Kidd, Baron Corbin, and Paul Dempsey as part of this tournament. Uh, your standard like single elimination match, Ting. Neville's first match happens the following week as he successfully defeats Tyson Kidd again. Tyson just stopped trying. Uh, he pins Tyson with the red arrow. Nothing exciting to really mention on the live scene, so we'll go straight into February. And then uh, the following week on NXT, he's got his semi-final match where Adrian Neville defeats Baron Corbin to progress to the finals. Elsewhere, in the other semi-final match, Finn Balor defeats Hideo Itami, setting up their match for NXT TakeOver Rival the following week, which is kind of underwhelming as a build. Like a three-week tournament, semi-finals one week before TakeOver, the Itami-Balor match was largely dominated by... Um, like sub story between Bull Dempsey and Baron Corbin. I think it was Balor that defeated Corbin in his first round match. Um, and they've had a like Dempsey and Corbin had a program for a while. And yeah, they came out. They just like boshing each other as they as one of them tried to outdo the other. And as soon as the match was done, and this was like the main event of the night it progressed straight into a video package for Zayn and Owens uh, because that was the championship match for Rival and yeah it just felt a bit flimsy as a as a thing in general uh, but they got to shake hands though so they were like well well done very good and at Taylor's old time it is Ireland versus England in a final somewhere we then go in then to the network special of NXT TakeOver Rival. Um, I do remember this being quite a fun show. Uh, just looking at the card now, you've got Atami versus Breeze to open. Uh, NXT Tag Team Championship match between Blake and Murphy and Lucha Dragons. That's always going to be fun. Um, the finals match between Neville and Balor, which we'll get to. The, the big one that was, uh, especially for the time, the NXT... Women's Championship Fatal 4 match between the four horsemen, reigning champion Charlotte, uh, losing the bit to Sasha Banks in a match that also had Bailey and Becky Lynch. And then the main was Kevin Owens versus Sami Zayn in that brutal referee stoppage. Um, yeah, I felt like this had, well, TakeOver Rival allowed for more like grudge-based storytelling as opposed to just a series of exhibition matches, which become quite prominent in the uh, weeks prior. Uh, Bull Dempsey versus Baron Corbin was another match on the card. Uh, Baron Corbin, in fact, is a prime example of this exhibition sort of thing. I know they were building up to be like the next big heel guy, but yeah, he would have a match. It would go under like two, three minutes, and they're like, "Yeah, I'm, I'm and he was super. I remember him being super green at the time. And then, yeah, Bull versus Baron stemmed from the tournament, as did Atami versus Breeze. You've got. I think the the closest thing to a proper exhibition match was Balor versus Neville. Owens and Zayn has got massive history. The Women's Fate of 4-Way had a lot of history and then will continue to build it for the years to come. Uh, yeah, I just felt like overall takeoff arrival was, was pretty good. Neville and Balor got themselves a decent video package describing their paralleled career trajectory. They both started in the UK of Ireland. Obviously, they're both from the UK of I and Ireland. 
uh, they progressed into mainland Europe. They eventually progressed into the US. Eventually progressed into Japan. Uh, obviously, Neville as Pack went to Dragon Gate, and Bala as Prince Devitt went to New Japan. There was some slight crossover here and there, but nothing too major. And then it all culminated back to WWE. And it's always as 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 a as a European. Especially as someone who is unfortunately identifies as British, uh, it is nice to see the like the British and Irish wrestlers make their way to the big leagues, and it always seems like they know each other and are friends with each other. Who was it? I think it was uh, last no on Stand and Deliver NXT Stand and Deliver Night One, no Night Two, fucking hell. Um, Wade Barrett was saying that how he's known Finn Balor for something daft like 14, 15 years. And I don't really remember them wrestling each other too much. But just purely because they're both uh, from the from the aisles, I guess. Uh, they were just, you know, friendos or something. It might be even been Devlin. I'm not quite sure. I remember it being someone from our neck of the woods, but I also remember being someone who was like, have you guys ever actually wrestled before? But whatever. It's it's nice UK island friendship. We don't always hate each other um, unless we are put at odds. Like the finals between Finn Balor and Adrian Neville. It's obviously going to be a fantastic match between them. Neville countered Every chance Finn Balor got early on in the match. Uh, Balor tried a dive to the outside about four times. And like just kept getting countered. He earned himself a drop kick to the face. And then when he finally did jump over and nail it. He slightly overshot it and fell right on his ass On the metal entrance ramp which looked like it really sucked. Uh, a few more back and forth exchanges. Including a really nifty... Second row, Phoenix Splash by Nev. And a beautiful 1916 DDT by Balor, or whatever it's called. I think it is still called the 1916. Um, concluded with a failed red hour attempt by our boy Nev. Uh, a massive corner drop kick by Balor. And then finally a double foot stop for the Balor win. He was also dressed up as the Demon because Demon Balor always wins. Four and a half star match according to Davey Meltzer, if you are so inclined to care about that sort of thing. So yeah, a good night of wrestling and a typically good match between Bala and Neville. Wish we had more of them. We go back to TV then for the 18th of February edition of NXT TV. Neville gets himself a consolation or consolationary, if that's a word, non-title match against the brand new NXT champion Kevin Owens he's unsuccessful because Owens got a win Owens basically was booked to do a murder at any chance he got so it kind of again it makes sense another really strong match um Neville still really not a fan of Owens battering Zayn that much where so he's like oh I'm gonna get you and yeah just a super hard match Owens wins because champion and yeah what no one told anyone was that this was Neville's final NXT TV appearance. Uh, he would be getting prepped and ready to debut on the main roster. Uh, live scene, nothing really much to phone home about. It's mostly just going after Kevin Owens and his NXT Championship, which he was ultimately unsuccessful. 
uh, after that edition of NXT, um, on the on the TV side of things, Neville was pretty quiet. Um, he didn't really pop up on NXT, or he didn't pop up NXT at all. It wasn't until the 30th of March, one night after WrestleMania 31, um, Neville would reappear to TV and he would debut on the main roster. There was a short hype video, I think just before commercial break, for Neville to make his main roster debut, and he was going to make it obviously after the commercial. There, I, I, I remember a lot of this time in, in the dub. In the lead up to WrestleMania, and the night after WrestleMania, where there's always some kind of fun shenanigans happen, and you know, makes the crowd go wild. It's Bizarro World or some such bollocks. The reports were cycling that Vince McMahon, our grand overlord, for better or for worse, wanted Neville to work a Mighty Mouse gimmick. Mighty Mouse was a cartoon that initially aired in the 1940s and then um, got like progression to the 50s and 60s. And so it, I guess it's part of like McMahon's childhood. And he's like, yeah, what if my fully grown adult man wrestler was a cartoon mouse? And because no one could confirm it for ages, and it was just like hearsay and what have you, there was a lot of what, 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 what? Um, but no, it was, I remember it being very split, like how many people thought it was true and how many people were just like, uh, misinterpreted a joke or just thought it was stupid and shouldn't be given too much thought um, and then when he debuted on the night what we got was he's not called Adrian Neville anymore he's just called Neville which everyone thought was a shit name just to be called Neville um, he had a bit of a cape but he ultimately kept the a fairly standard attire um, I had a cape and he had like big if I remember right, he had just like bigger arm gauntlets as opposed to just wearing tape. But it w- it was ultimately quite nerfed compared to like the horror ideas that people were getting in their heads. So we got off considerably early. He then went on to defeat Curtis Axel in less than two minutes. Standard debut fair. He did the same to Sakamoto in his NXT debut. On the 7th of December 2017, at... Chill Hartman on Twitter. I can't remember what Chill Hartman did. I think he was some kind of like WWE writer person back in the day. He posted a a graphic of Neville in what would have been the Mighty Mouse inspired garb. And I will I imagine a lot of people already seen this. Um I will post it as well but god god almighty that is haunting um to try and describe it over a an audio format it is what would be his like fairly standard gear uh the gauntlets seem a little bit bigger and like go higher up his arm he's got like the start of a mankini sort of thing that like covers his pecs and from the photoshop squeezes them within an inch of their life because all the colors drained out of his pecs and then meets in the middle of just above his, t- his trunks the gap either side is fishnet 
Um, so, you know, Neville, major body guy, looks, ironically, superhuman for how many abs and muscles he's got. Just cover all up in weird topiary and fish netting. And he's got some horrendously huge, gaudy goggles that Edge and Christian wouldn't have worn in the mid-2000s. It is an atrocious abomination of a look. And and to share in the thoughts of at Chill Hartman, who's... I've just reread the tweet. James McKenna. Uh, so insanely glad they shot it down last minute. And I I agree, James. This is just the worst thing and i hate it so much and i just it's really hard to like wrestling and vince mcmahon sometimes but what are you gonna do apart from blindly watch it like an idiot so yeah that was neville's introduction to the main roster um a nerfed idea of something that would have been truly horrifying and defeating Curtis Axel in less than two minutes on an episode of Raw. Live scene, nothing much to phone home about again. He does, does take part in the WrestleMania Access Tour um, in a Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal Qualifying Tournament semi-final match. <laughs> Pack, nope. Neville loses to Hideo Itami, who I think would actually go on to win and get in the uh, tournament altogether. And he also teams up with Baron Corbin, obviously, to defeat CJ Parker and Mike Rollis. Mike Rollis would grow up to become Riddick Moss, who hasn't done anything. So more 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 future stars being built from NXT's very, very good developmental schemes. Let's head in to April then and get an idea of Neville truly being part of the WWE main roster. And we're back on live shows. Yes. This was the part where my job got so much easier for writing up notes. On the 6th of April episode of Monday Night Raw, Neville comes out to confront the brand new WWE champion, Seth Rollins. This was the year that it was Brock Lesnar versus Roman Reigns in the main event. Everyone hated the pair of them, so they were like, boo this thing. And so Seth Rollins, with the heist of the century, cashed in money in the bank and turned it into a triple threat and then won the WWE championship. That's where we are. Uh, Rollins cuts a promo saying, you're really small and you're really new. By the way, there's a 20 pound weight difference between Neville and Seth Rollins. Um, They went back and forth. It led to a match. Neville ultimately lost because new champion. Uh, But it did go over 10 minutes and it was a chance for uh, new, well, not even new fans, but main roster fans who don't really care about NXT and there's way too many of them to say, hey, this guy's pretty cool. Later on in the week, I was part of SmackDown, um, which I th- actually think about. I don't think SmackDown was live, so. Uh. This week's SmackDown, though, uh, Neville takes on Curtis Axel again in a rematch. Uh, he he wins, obviously, because it's Curtis Axel. And then elsewhere in the month, he takes part in the 2015 King of the Ring, which. I have literally no memory of it all. And I was actively watching WWE getching Raw and SmackDown every week. So I think this might have been a network exclusive at the time. Uh, Neville got wins against Luce Harper and Sheamus. And would make it to the finals before losing to Bad News Barrett. On pay-per-view as a like a vengeance against Bad News Barrett. 
who wasn't quite King Barrett yet. As part of the kickoff show to Extreme Rules, Neville defeated Barrett in little over 10 minutes. Uh, live scene, nothing really much to phone home about except a best of five series between against Finn Balor when WWE went to did their like post WrestleMania UK tour, UK and Ireland tour. Uh, Nev out of that best of five would win three to two. That's getting that that last little edge over Balor, even though they are uh, different ends of the WWE spectrum now. In the month of May, Neville would work twenty one bloody matches. Holy darn! We'll start with TV and just more back and forth things alongside uh, Dolph Ziggler against Bad News Barrett and Sheamus. Neville would then challenge John Cena for the WWE United States Championship. This is when John Cena was doing his um, open challenge thing. Uh, Neville would technically beat John Cena in a match that went almost 15 minutes, but it was via disqualification. There was interference from Rusev. Uh, this all stemming from Rusev versus Cena at Mania, which Rusev should have won. He came out in a tank. How can you have a man come out in a tank and not win? He's not Shotzi Blackheart. He's Ru-fucking-Sev. But I'm not bitter. And Neville then reignited a feud with Bo Dallas in a two-minute squash match. Still making Neville look really strong, but ultimately still no one gives a shit about Bo Dallas or Curtis Axel on main roster. Nev would then get his proper pay-per-view debut on Payback, once again defeating King Barrett. Neville would win via countout. Uh, Barrett got himself intentionally counted out because he's like, oh, I don't want any of this lark. Blah, 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 Preston accent. And when Neville was like, all right, I guess I'll win then. Barrett jumped back in the ring, tried to attack him. Uh, Neville countered, battered him, and then hit them with the red arrow to send fans home happy. We returned to TV and there was a sequence of matches against the likes of uh, King Barrett, Stardust, both on Raw, Adam Rose on main event. Of course, the former Leo Kruger. There was a stray win on SmackDown against Bo Dallas, which then led to a match against Bo Dallas again, but on Elimination Chamber, which was kind of weird. I never won that, which is fine, but it's just... Way to drum up a... How long did that feud between Dallas and Neville go? It was a six-month feud? Because it started in December of his first year. So that's December 2013. I think he won the belt in April, May time? Oh, it's February. Ah, okay. Then a three, four-month feud. Three-month feud. Still, condensing it down to three weeks of TV, whatever, however long... Never won Dallas before in NXT. Um, you, you, the, the story they could have... Anyway. Whatever. Fucking, I, I don't care. I don't care about wrestling. Fucking stupid thing. On the 25th of May episode of Raw, uh, Neville had a match against Stardust. Of course, we know know him as uh, Cody Rhodes, the executive vice president of AEW. He wears a suit for AEW. After the match, though, Stardust confronts Raw special guest Stephen Amell from that hit television series, Arrow. Um, yeah, it's, it builds up to SummerSlam. I, I did not realize this, this whole thing between Stardust and Stephen Amell started in June. I remember the tweets they would send to each other, mostly Stardust to Amell. It was all a bit weird. But a two-month bill, that's more than what most active main roster people get. But because it's fucking Hollywood. Um, 
And yeah, just a quick rundown of Stardust slash Kodua's achievement. He became a five-time WWE Tag Team Champion, which kind of blew me away. He is a former Ring of Honor Champion, NWA World Heavyweight Champion, IWGP United States Champion, and he is a two-time AEW TNT Champion. He's the AEW Executive Vice President. I think I said that a minute ago. A, I need to read my notes. B, I need to trust myself more because I fucking nailed that. The other thing I've written down is, as much as sad that there was a two-month build for this, which is better than what a lot of people get, this was the beginnings of Neville's first major main roster feud. No offense, Bo Dallas, but no one really gave a shit. Um, and it's all comic book themed because he was almost Mighty Mouse. And he's called a, super a superhero, superhuman. He had a gimmick very similar to Ricochet. And he's a realized superhero. And Stardust is weird and wears a bodysuit. And Stephen Amell plays a fucking... It's just... Okay, yeah, I'm... I'm pretty sure I found it weird at the time. And now I just find it stupid. Life scene is mostly just getting wins over Barrett. Because it's fun at this point. Let's go into June. And in a... Slightly chaotic nature of 2015 TV. Uh, Never would have an NXT Championship lost against Kevin Owens on Raw. I think this must have been when Kevin Owens was on main challenging John Cena for it as part of his United States Open Challenge, which again, Kevin Owens lost the series 2-1, to one, which was stupid. Build new stars. Elsewhere. Neville was at WWE Money in the Bank and he was in the Money in the Bank match. And I completely forgot Neville was in a Money in the Bank match. It, that information was completely wiped from my mind. Uh, he was a natural highlight of the match. Obviously, he's a big flippy boy. So he's always going to do big flippy stuff. Uh, he's been in there with a lot of big spot boys. Like He's got Dolph Ziggler. He's got Kofi Kingston. And he does get involved in the finish. He was this close. You can't see me, but I'm putting my fingers really, really close together. Uh, he was that, that, that close, this close, however close you want to think. Um, he was on the ladder with Sheamus. Uh, he was on the ladder, almost got the briefcase. Sheamus came up, just tried to pull his eye out. Circa 2020 Seth Rollins. Um, and then just got pushed off the ladder. And then Sheamus would just unhook it and become fella in the bank. Or money in the fella, fella in the fella fella as we get back to tv neville gets in a, a kind of like mini feud with the new day and he's picking up singles wins against xavier woods and kofi kingston which then bleeds into the live scene in just various wins as both a singles competitor as a tag team over the new day into july and it's immediately something that's quite fun and quite different from wwe that's what makes it fun because they're not trying to be them um it's a network special wwe live from Tokyo, the Beast in the East. Um, again, kind of a a wild show. They got Brock Lesnar to compete in Japan and just murdered Kofi Kingston. Uh, there was a triple threat match for WWE Divas Championship between Nikki Bella, Tamina, and Paige, obviously. Um, what I thought was the main event was not the main event. Finn Balor would defeat Kevin Owens for the NXT Championship. I remember that match being really, really fun. And you had Balor, because obviously, definitely not Prince Devitt, have all the uh, streamers over his 
body like he got flowers and Kevin Owens was like you dick and then just did not take the handshake and just stormed out of the ring um and yeah the actual main event was Dolph Ziggler teaming up with John Cena to defeat Kane and King Barrett pure uh but Neville on this show was taking on Chris Jericho uh which again another match I completely forgot about it is good fun it's a very very fun match uh, Jericho ultimately wins because he's old and old people win in WWE. I shouldn't say old. He's older at this point. Um, I remember... Well, I don't remember. I watched the match back. It's super disappointing, the commentary team. Like, the shows like this um, and the United Kingdom tour, they get a bit more leeway because Vince is like, I'm not going there. Um, so the commentary team can just be a bit more natural with how they deliver and how they like process all the information given to them. But they made sure to hype up Jericho's past with Japan. They talked about him with um, like FMW, Wrestle Association R, even New Japan. They made no allusion to Neville's history in Japan. It's almost like, like the pre-WWE careers only exist when it benefits them like they could like, okay they, you can't talk they don't have to talk about directly um dragon gate or um the stint he had or the brief stint he had in new japan but uh, come on <laughs> he did so much in japan as pack and i think the most they did was just hype neville as a bright upstart I'm like fuck off it's uh, it's just frustrating. They did play. They did play. They did wrestle in Ryugoku Hall, though, which is pretty cool. I just know that from watching New Japan. After the Tokyo special, though, they do return back to the States for Tuva. Uh Two days after that special aired, which was live, because WWE live from Tokyo, uh, immediately on a showing of Superstars, uh, not the actual broadcast, but the taping of uh, Superstars. So that's Two days afterwards, just what's jet lag? Go fuck yourself. On the 30th of July, though, uh, Neville is back in the ring proper in the States for WWE uh, in a losing effort to Stardust as part of the continuation of their quote-unquote feud, which is not got Neville in at this point. It's still just Stardust and Stephen Amell. Um, yeah, they're just trading shots on Twitter and being quite weird. Neville did win the return match on SmackDown, but again... It's, oh god, I'm just trying to remember. Stardust saying that, was it, Amel is is the key? Or uh, Amel is a source and Neville is a key? Looking back, Stardust was a really stupid idea, wasn't it? Uh, Live circuit, it's mostly just Neville facing off against Stardust as part of the WWE Live SummerSlam Heatwave Tour. Before we head in, to August and to open up August on the 3rd on Monday Night Raw, Neville challenges Seth Rollins for the WWE World Heavyweight Championship. How nice. Uh, Rollins at this point was in a feud with uh, John Cena the previous week to this. He went for that jumping knee and fucking disintegrated John Cena's nose. And so he was like, well, if John Cena can't do it, I will do an open challenge with my WWE World Heavyweight Championship. Ah, 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 ah. 
Neville would lose because obviously, uh, but another really good match. Neville and Rollins should have been a main event feud. That would have been very cool. Next week, Neville defeated King Barrett in a in a super short match, just going over a minute. Uh, Stephen Amell was again at ringside as a super special guest. After the match, though, Stardust came out and just started being up Neville. Um, Stardust had begun directing tweets at Neville directly now. Um, so he was proper into this blood feud between Stardust and Stephen Amell. And I'm pretty certain Neville, not even at this time, really cared about Twitter or social media in general. So it was a bit half-assed. I think it was more a way of Cody to remain cool and relevant. Ah. Uh, during the whole fracas, uh, Stardust goes out and Pi faces Amel, who responds by leaping over just about everything. He leaps over the guardrail, he leaps onto the side of the ring, he leaps over the top of uh, the top rope. If there was a child there, or a full-grown man, or Omos, he'd leap over all them just to twat the absolute piss out of Stardust. Loads of security come to the ring because inevitably Amel is a fan and they're like, Hey, could you not? You're going to set a bad example if you jump in the bloody ring and start being at people you don't like. And in a post-segment segment, segment, uh, backstage as ML is getting a bollocking off of Daddy Triple H, ML and Neville somehow, and I remember they framed this really, really badly. It had, I think it was Triple H on the left standing front, ML on the right standing front, and Neville, who's about a, a... a substantial amount of inches shorter than the pair of them, just in the back of saying, Aye man, let's fucking do it! Which is Scottish again. I keep getting lost on my way to Newcastle. Uh, Amel and Neville convinced Daddy Trips to make it a tag team match for Slummer Slam of Stephen Amel and Big Nevy Nev versus Stardust and King Barrett, which, for some reason, Triple H agrees to, and so the match is set for SummerSlam of that match I just done diddly said. And at this point, SummerSlam is two weeks away. Either side of SummerSlam, there's not really much to report. Neville spends the rest of the month occupying time with Old Flames, Kevin Owens, and Seth Rollins. So, we're at SummerSlam then, and Neville is in a ridiculous tag team match with a TV actor in Stephen Mell versus King Barrett and Stardust, a man who'd become a bad TV actor. Um, it was th- actually a surprisingly decent match. Like, Amel could really go. I know we just had... So, as I'm recording this, WrestleMania Night 1 was last night, and I had Bad Bunny, who is actually really good at wrestling. I know he's being carried by three really good other wrestlers, but, yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't be upset if somehow Bad Bunny was like, you know what, I don't want all this fame and money for being an actual platinum-selling recording artist. I'm going to be a wrestler full-time now. Uh, I wouldn't mind that. I thought Bad Bunny was pretty great. And Mel... I'm not too sure he's on... It might just be because I'm on that post and pre-WrestleMania hype. Um, but yeah, Mel though, was still super good in the ring. He, You could tell he was having a absolute whale of a time. And I think that was a thing. Mel, like Bad Bunny, they are fans of professional wrestling. And you could tell that. And you could tell they understood the intricacies of what's a heel move, what's a face move, how to kind of how to get the other person over, or at least acknowledging that 
the other person needs to do something to get themselves over in the match. And so, yeah, Neville and Amel defeated uh, Barrett and Stardust. The Green Arrow and the Red Arrow defeated a King and a Plasticine dildo. And, yeah, that was SummerSlam. Live scene, there was an Australia tour. And nothing major, but... Neville is back for tapings for NXT. What could happen? Well... On the 2nd of September episode of NXT TV, Neville is back making the rounds, teaming up with Solomon Crow as part of the inaugural Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic. Uh, it was a tribute to Dusty Rhodes who passed away in the June of that year. I genuinely had no recollection of Neville being in the tournament at all, let alone with Solomon Crow. Solomon Crow is now Sammy Callahan, and before was Sammy Callahan. He was used rebizarrely in NXT. He had some weird hacker gimmick, which I think he's doing in Impact now, but better. Um, and yeah, it just WWE never really quite knew what to do with Crow, and it never clicked, so they just got rid of him in less than a year. Uh, Crow, though, is a former mainstay and champion in CZW, would later go on to win the AAW Heavyweight Championship three times. He was a Lucha Underground Trios champion with Dagger and Thunder Rosa. And of course, he was an Impact World Champion as well. Uh, While Stephen with Neville, though, they would lose to the team of Jason Jordan and Chad Gable. I wonder what happened to them. Uh, the whole thing for the Dusty Rose Tag Team Classic, as I found out, Rose was the creator of and a featured star of the OG Crocker Cup tournaments back in the NWA in the mid to late 80s. Uh, Rose would actually go on to win the 1987 tournament with Nikita Koloff, defeating Tully Blanchard and Lex Luger in the finals. Um, judging by that, I remember looking at the teams as well, and judging by that finals, they did have a habit of putting like kind of like non-traditional teammates together. And personally, I quite like that. Uh, I like it when you've got sometimes. Okay, I'm actually going to already clarify what I said. So... What they're doing at the moment with the WWE Women's Tag Team Division is shocking, and I hate it. Just throwing two people together who have no meaning. Um, but when it's a tournament like this, where it's just like, hey, I wonder what could happen. This is how you build. For my opinion, this is how you build tag teams who have no history together. Put them in a tournament. They, that way, they've both got the goal of, we want to work together to get to this end point of winning the tournament, and then whatever comes afterwards. That's how you put teams together. Because then that way, if they lose at any point, that's how you can spawn off another few saying, it's your fault we lost. No, it's your fault, crash, bang, wallop. Whereas you could say, actually, we were super unlucky that they beat us. Why don't we try, like, keep going at this, come back, and then show that we can do it as a tag team. Tournaments are so good for building characters and storylines. Not whatever travesty is happening to the WWE Women's Division at this point. Um... Anyway, tirade over. I felt like as much as the Crocker Cup tournament did encourage slightly weird tag teams together, Neville and Solomon Crow was a super weird collective. And this was a tournament featuring Baron Corbin teaming with Rhino, Tyler Breeze and Bull Dempsey, Elias Sampson and Tucker Knight, Angelo Dawkins and Sia Fulton, and Finn Balor and Samoa Joe. But in particular, Neville Crow does seem a little bit odd. Elsewhere in TV, Neville is just reuniting 
uh, feuds with Stardust and The New Day. Before we get on to the pay-per-view of that month, which was Night of Champions, he's back on the kickoff show, teaming up with the Lucha Dragons, Kalisto and Singara, uh, in a losing effort to Stardust and the Ascension, Connor and Victor, who wasn't quite the cosmic Graceland yet, but was on that po- on that path. Um, I I don't think they pulled the trigger enough with the Cosmic Wasteland. I thought that could have been something really, really cool and just sort of given all three of them a bit of the kick up the ass. But I think Cody left before it got traction or they just gave up with it or something. Probably all three or two, all options. And the actual match was rendered pretty null and void when um, Neville would win the... or Neville and the Lucha Dragons would win the return match on SmackDown two weeks later. So, wah! On the live scene, it's mostly just going after Stardust. That's what Neville's life is now, just wrestling Stardust. Let's go into October. And over the course of October, Neville would build the League of Nations. Remember that super cool faction that was made purely to try and get Roman Reigns over and it categorically did not work? Well, a month before their official formation in November... Neville lost against Sheamus on the 5th of October episode of Raw. He would lose to King Barrett on the 8th of October episode of SmackDown. On the 12th on Raw and on the 15th on SmackDown, he would Neville would team with Cesaro to lose to King Barrett and Sheamus. On the 19th episode of Raw, Neville teamed with Cesaro and now Dolph Ziggler in a losing effort against King Barrett, Sheamus, and Rusev. On the Hell in a Cell kickoff show, Neville would team with Dolph Ziggler and Cesaro again to defeat Barrett, Rusev, and Sheamus. On the 26th episode of Raw, he would lose to Alberto Del Rio. And on the 31st of October episode of Main Event, Neville would lose to Rusev. He has put the foundations of the League of Nations stable right in front of the world and we had no fucking idea at least i didn't because i wasn't very aware of things at that time this was at a point where i was in my third year at uni and all i knew was pain elsewhere live scene he's just going after stardust which makes sense and he's later but i i don't know i just don't know we're heading to november and on the uh 5th of november episode of smackdown the proto-League of Nations feud continues in a losing effort against Alberto Del Rio. And then the following week, Neville enters the WWE World Heavyweight Championship tournament. And he's in Manchester. He gets a win over King Barrett. Next step, baby. And then he loses the next Raw to Kevin Owens. I'm just trying to think of why the championship was vacated. I know this is about... Because Roman ended up winning it. Um, let's see. Oh, this would have been when Rollins had to vacate because of his knee. He went for that uh, powerbomb on Kane. And he went one way. His knee decided to go the completely opposite direction and just blew up. Ah, memories. Before we get to Survivor Series, on the 23rd, uh, on Raw, there was just a random win for Neville against Mark Henry, of all people. So, cool. Yeah, why not? Neville did get a spot, kind of, on the Survivor Series card. He is on the kickoff to supposedly one of WWE's biggest shows of the year. He teams up with Goldust, the Dudley Boys, and Titus O'Neil to defeat Bo Dallas, 
the Cosmic Wasteland, the official Cosmic Wasteland of Connor, Stardust and Victor, and also the Miz in a traditional 5-on-5 match that went just under 20 minutes. Um, I remember this being a super last-minute addition to the card. Um, I th- like so much so, I'm pretty sure I missed it. Um, a friend of mine, I think we were all meeting to watch it at a pub, and I was just finishing work, and I was like, oh, I've just stayed on for an extra hour because there's nothing important happening on the pre-show. Walked in, sat down, and I'm like, oh, did I miss anything? And they're like, yeah, a fucking full ten on t- five on five thing. I'm like, oh, who was in it? And they told me. I was like, ah, oh, I didn't really miss anything anyways. Um, yeah, it's just a bit, bit of a weird night in general. I had Survivor Series there. all a bit very clunky now. But I'm pretty sure this was like the actual cannibal start of the League of Nations because... Roman Reigns defeated Ambrose in the finals for the uh, world title. And then Sheamus cashed in money in the bank. And he got... Roman Reigns got pinned in amongst all the confetti. And it looked like he was going to cry. And everyone was like, boo Roman. Boo Sheamus. Boo Triple H. We're not booing you because we're bad. We're just booing you because none of this is what we wanted. Um, So yeah, that was that was... Survivor Series in a nutshell. You're welcome. Uh, live circuit. There's a fun little spot for Neville. Uh, the UK tour in amongst his time. And he gets a win over Stardust in Newcastle. Uh, that's nice heartwarming motions things. And he also challenges Alberto Del Rio unsuccessfully for the United States Championship on a holiday tour. So, cool. Let's go into December then. The merry month of Christmas. Um, I've gone nearly an hour in my recording. So, Boy, howdy, there's going to be a lot of editing in this. Uh, it is a SmackDown loss to the recently promoted Tyler Breeze. Uh, it's a strong win for Tyler Breeze. I can't see this going wrong at all. Um, Neville immediately, well, almost immediately got his win back on Raw. Uh, defeating Tyler Breeze, obviously, that's how getting a win back. Uh, 50-50 booking. Hooray! Oh my god, main roster did Tyler Breeze so damn dirty. Uh, curiously though, during the match, The Miz came out uh, to get the crowd to rally behind uh, Mr. Neville. When Nev confronted Miz backstage, Miz explained that he could make Neville a, a star. Basically, a star in Hollywood. Star Wars Episode 7 was about to come out. Um, he could get into Episode 8. You don't want that. Um, in return, because of obviously... Miz's Hollywood connections. In return, Miz wanted Neville to teach him a British accent because Hollywood was looking for a new James Bond. Because this was the point in time, I think, where Daniel Craig was like, I'd rather self-harm than play a movie character, which aged so well in the world of um, normalizing mental health. And Neville responded with virtue and with good faith by saying, interfere again. And I'll push a lightsaber where sun don't shine. Where am I there? I I regularly listen to Cultaholic and What Culture uh, podcasts. And I still don't know what Geordie accent apparently. I don't know where the fuck I went then. Uh, anyway, back on, back on topic. Would this be a big time feud with the Miz? Neville versus Miz. That would actually be a pretty fun feud. But nope. There was a, a couple of matches on the live circuit, which Nev did win, but it didn't amount to anything, which is, I hate this company sometimes. Uh, 
On the 21st episode of Monday Night Raw, uh, they had the Slammy Awards. Hooray! People care about them. Uh, Neville got the award for Best Breakout Star of the Year, or just Breakout Star of the Year. The other nominees were Kevin Owens. It's fair. Uh, Charlotte, again, pretty fair. Tyler Breeze. Ha 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 ha. And Braun Strowman, which at this point, yeah, he he was kind of cool when he first debuted. I think it was when he first debuted as part of the White Family. He had the sheep head. Um, but the black sheep head, he had bad hair and he was like, before he could talk. Um, no, but kind of, uh, Owens comes out and says that he is upset that he didn't win because he beat John Cena in his debut. And he's like, I, that's a fairly good point to be honest. Not many people can say they beat John Cena in their debut match. Um, is it him and Carlito? They're the big ones at least. Um, never responds by saying, oh God, only way Owens can win a Slammy is in the has-been of the year category. I think I'm getting closer. I might be in Middlesbrough by now. Um, overall, they just really did not write Neville promos very well, did they? Has-been of the year category. Really? All right. Fucking... Before anything gets too exciting, Dolph Ziggler then comes in and beats up Kevin Owens because they've got a thing going on. Uh, later on in the night, Rusev defeats our Slammy Award winner um, after interference from the League of Nations because 50-50 booking. So a week later, Neville then faces Kevin Owens after he's like, well, their exchange at the Slammy Awards. Neville defeats Kevin Owens in precisely 21 seconds, which I don't think I watched, but I remember this. I remember reading this thinking, oh, oh damn. Uh, Neville counters a an early pop-up powerbomb attempt with a roll-up, the most dangerous move in all of professional wrestling, and wins. Uh, Owen takes it well and starts trying to murder Neville. Dean Ambrose comes out and makes a save. Live scene. Neville gets to go back to the UK as part of the NXT TakeOver UK tour. He defeats Baron Corbin in Newcastle and in Glasgow. And that does it for 2015. I've gone over an hour just on one year. Holy shit, I've got other things to do today. Um, end of year standings, like I said, 188 matches for our boy Nev, which is, again, more than one match every two years. He is at a 69, nice, 0.1% win rate for the year, win rate for the year, R's and W's, uh, winning 130, losing 58, and getting no draws this year. And I completely forgot how much they did try with Neville in his first year. He had eight pay-per-view appearances including four kickoff appearances he's part of three wwe network special events um he challenged for the world heavyweight championship the united states championship he's getting wins over barrett mark henry kevin owens kofi kingston he's just getting in the ring with seth rollins chris jericho sheamus dolphy ziggs he's a slam award winner it's all going so diggity darn well I cannot see how this can get worse at all. 2016. So 2016 was kind of like a calm before the storm sort of thing. Um, mild spoilers, but let's, let's just mosey on in. In January then, it's a short continuation of Neville's feud with Kevin Owens. On the 4th, it's a losing effort to KO. He gets his win back on SmackDown teaming with Dean Ambrose whilst Kevin Owens teamed with Sheamus. It is via DQ though, so 
I don't know if that even counts. And Neville at this point is largely spinning his wheels against old Fuse. He's just facing the New Day. He's facing Sheamus. He's facing Stardust. He does challenge for the United States Championship unsuccessfully in a losing effort to Kalisto because I completely fucking forgot Kalisto was the United States Champion for a hot minute. I think he's a two-time champion, isn't he? Wild. He makes his Royal Rumble debut that year. He enters in at number 16, lasting over 10 minutes uh, before getting eliminated by his old Dragon Gate rival, Luke Harper, the former Brody Lee. We miss you. And on the live scene, there's just nothing interesting happens. So let's move on to February. Uh, continues the team with Lucha Dragons to vanquish foes. Uh, the Cosmic Wasteland, which I'm surprised was still going. I thought they'd broken up by now. Uh, as well as the League of Nations, which again, I thought they had gone too. And that's pretty much it for February live scene. He's just part of the Road to WrestleMania tour. And the the match that I really spotlighted and like felt like I needed to address was Neville defeated the Wyatts, which, you know, a very throwback feud for our boy Nev. Teaming with Kane. What? Like, that's just a team I never thought of. I kind of wish it was a thing. A little bit of me was a thing. But just like a modern version of Kane and X-Pac. Or like a halfway between X-Pac and Daniel Bryan. It's just, yeah, it just struck me as a bit odd, but whatever. Let's go into March then, and Neville makes his second NXT return. On the 2nd of March episode of NXT TV, Neville is in a unsuccessful rematch against Finn Balor. This is a, a non-title rematch from NXT TakeOver Rival. It's a match mostly born out of just mutual respect between the two, because, you know, paralleled careers, and they're both really good at being... If you're American, they're both good at being British. If you're British, like, that's just they're two different countries. It's like America and Canada, whatever. Um, I, but I can happily watch matches between the two all the time. It's a chance for Neville to wrestle with a bit more freedom again. Obviously, WWE main roster is very, uh, from all, all reports, quite a lot more constricting compared to NXT. It's a similar finish to before. It's a corner shotgun drop kick and a coup de gras. Followed up this time by the 1916 or Bloody Sunday DDT, whatever they're calling it these days. And there is their post-match handshake because of friendship. Uh, just over a week later, as part of SmackDown, Neville tag teams with his old flame, Sami Zayn, to defeat Kevin Owens and The Miz. Uh, reunited with his old best bud, Sami Zayn. So heartwarming feelings, I'm sure. And then when we get to the next Raw on the 14th, Neville defeats Chris Jericho via disqualification in less than five minutes, which might sound mildly impressive. Um, uh, it might sound like it's the start of something really big, you know, to defeat Chris Jericho in under five minutes, but it's via disqualification. What might that have been? This was, in italics, that ill-fated match with Chris Jericho. Um, during the match... Jericho sends Neville into the ropes. Neville goes to slide underneath a spot he's done a thousand times before and it's probably done a thousand times since. But as he's sliding underneath, his foot just just gets traction at the worst possible time. And he carries on going one way and his foot stays planted and it breaks his ankle. Um, he immediately 
goes for a fucking Hurricane Rana because he's not human. But Jericho notices immediately that something is wrong. Neville's not moving as well as he was. I imagine they communicated it with each other. The referee, Charles Robinson, is also starting to cotton on that something wrong has happened. And now begins a... Um, just a roller coaster of trying to get the match done, get Neville some help, because they don't know the severity yet, so it's not worth the the you know the X over the head yet. So Jericho nails him with the move with a move, sorry, going for a um, just a quick pinfall, and. I think it must have been some kind of roll-up because Neville is wiggling a little bit. So Robinson, the ref, counts two and sort of thinks like he's he's not sure what to do. Well, not I'm not sure what to do. I think he just had different ideas. He was like, he's going to kick out. I don't think he knew how badly hurt he was. So as part of Neville's wiggling, the ref took that as, oh, he's kicked out. Let's move on to a different spot to like, close this up or whatever. Jericho then gets heated at Charles Robinson. They have like a pushing contest that apparently got legit heat between them, um, which I've patched over within a day or so because they've been they've known each other for years. And Robinson throws the match out via disqualification as Jericho puts his hand on the ref, and it's explained that Jericho just lost his head in a match. Um, yeah, complicated situation. It's it involves a lot of people thinking on the fly. If in that situation. I think you want to have Jericho or you want to have a Robinson because they, they've they been in this long enough to know what to do. It's just a shame that they were both in there because they know what they want to do. It's just different to what the other person wants. Um, this was just a huge shame for everyone involved, not least Neville. Uh, he There's a WWE Network clip or W.com clip which shows him obviously very emotional getting checked out by Med. He is out for two to three months. His ankle doesn't require surgery. I imagine just a cast and some rest. But this does mean that he is missing WrestleMania. He was planned for the WrestleMania Intercontinental Ladder Match. Um, it had champion Kevin Owens defending against Dolph Ziggler, The Miz, Sami Zayn, Sin Cara and Stardust. And what would have been Neville. His spot was given to Zack Ryder. Who in I believe the opening to WrestleMania 32, I think, uh, would win the Intercontinental Championship. Admittedly, for a night, but what could have been if that was indeed our boy Nevi Nev? He does take some time off, as you'd imagine, because he just fucking killed his ankle. And next time we see anything of our boy Nev, it is in July. On the 19th of July episode of Raw, Neville is drafted to SmackDown as part of the 2016 brand split. Uh, I fucking love this period of WWE when SmackDown was a land of opportunity and then it got shit. But for about a two-year period, it was hot. Uh, Neville is the 26th pick overall, which I think is all right. Uh, he's chosen before the likes of Sheamus, Alberto Del Rio, Paige, and Eva Marie. So he's a big, big pull for Monday Night Raw. Uh, on TV, he makes his televised return on the 25th. A bit like how he came in the company the first time around, or came in the first, main roster the first time around, he defeats Curtis Axel. Um, it's full circle or something. He makes a return to the live scene as well. 
Um, there's a like a warm up for his TV return against Jericho and Bo Dallas, and he's also part of the SummerSlam Heatway tour again against Y2J Chris Jericho as well as AJ Styles. Heading into August then on the eighth, he has a civil disagreement with the Dudley Boys, which then leads to SummerSlam on the kickoff show. Neville teams up with Sami Zayn to defeat the Dudley Boys. Um, Bubba Ray gets hit with a halluva kick from Sami Zayn and then a red arrow from Neville just trying to get some steam back behind poor Nev Nev. At least briefly, because then when we go back to TV on the 22nd in a WWE Universal Championship number one contender match qualifier, Kevin Owen defeats Neville in eight and a half minutes. Uh, this was all to crown a new Universal Champion for the abdication of Finn Balor. He got an, a shoulder injury in that match uh, against Seth Rollins. Interference from Chris Jericho played a role. It's part Jericho was the one Neville faced when Neville picked up that bad injury. But in the bigger sense of it, it is because Jericho has a budding alliance with uh, Kevin Owens. And another fairly substantial part is Jericho's just the bastard. Uh, the following week, to try and get some measure of revenge, uh, Neville takes on Chris Jericho. Um, he doesn't win. Chris Jericho beats Nev. Um, Neville just can't catch a break, apparently. So much for building all that steam behind him. Uh, live scene, he's just chairing up with Jericho and Dallas as per. September is a bad sign for Neville and his trajectory in the company. He makes no Monday Night Raw appearances, despite being overall pick number 26 for the brand. Um, he is... He is nowhere to be seen on Monday Night Raw. He does make some appearances on Superstars. But it does appear that he has lost a lot of momentum post-injury. There's no spot for him on Clash of Champions. There's no spot for him in the Cruiserweight Classic that started back in July. Arguably, his biggest win throughout the entire month was against Carl Anderson at a house show in Moline, Illinois. Neville makes his Raw return on the 10th of October... Teaming up with Sami Zayn once again to defeat the social outcast, Bo Dallas and Curtis Axel. It was originally meant to be Big Cass and Enzo Amore versus social outcast. Um, but it got switched to Neville and Zayn after Cass and Amore get jumped by Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows. Because that was all part of a feud between Cass, Amore and John Cena versus Anderson, Gallows and AJ Styles. WWE is a wild place sometimes. Uh, Axel demanded new opponents for the social outcast and then out came Neb Neb and Sami Zayn. They could have turned them into a proper tag team, but they didn't. Following week on Raw, Bo Dallas actually defeats Neville because all roads lead back to Bo Dallas. And on the 31st, on a Halloween episode of Monday Night Raw, Neville participated in a battle royal for a spot on Team Raw for Survivor Series, but was eliminated by the eventual winner, Braun Strowman. Uh, the Battle Royal had, as well as Neville Strowman, Bo Dallas, Cesaro, Curtis Axel, Darren Young, Goldust, Jinder Mahal, R-Truth, Sami Zayn, Sheamus, and Titus O'Neil. Live scene is a good win rate, R's and W's, uh, but it's against lower card folk or just flat out jobbers. It's Bo Dallas, Curtis Axel, Jinder Mahal, and Titus O'Neil. Yeah, it's, it's a bad omen for our boy Nev. 
there is one sole TV appearance for Neville in November on the 11th of November episode of Superstars. I didn't even write down he was against. Live scene, a lot of matches against Bo Dallas, a lot of runs of um, Neville teaming up with the Golden Truth, Goldust and R-Truth, as well as Darren Young defeating Bo Dallas, Epico and Prima, who at this point were the Shining Stars, and Titus O'Neil. And then we get into December, where things start kind of picking up again for Neville. At the roadblock, end of the line pay-per-view, Rich Swan successfully defends his Cruiserweight Championship against the Brian Kendrick and TJ Perkins in a triple threat match. Uh, this was when, I think this was the year where they tried to make the Cruiserweights actually mean something and failed miserably. Uh, Neville comes out at the match, um, seemingly to congratulate Swan, but I remember watching this and thinking he's going to turn on them because no no face has ever just come out and like clapped his hands and said, yes, very good, very good, well done, well done, without it being like an actual friend in a big world championship match. This was a cruiserweight triple threat. And on TV, there'd be no mention of Neville and Rich One ever having a previous relationship. So, whatever. Neville comes out after the match. It's finished. Uh, went to like, oh, well done, Bonnie lad. And just immediately starts belting him turning heel for the first time proper since he started with WWE and NXT and it felt kind of shoehorn like I said it was just I was just oh they could have done a hundred different ways they could have done it in like a post match interview with Swan saying so what do you want to do next and he just gets battered by Neville or like gets battered by someone it pans up oh my god it's Neville instead of just that's yeah, I thought it was dumb. I just thought it was a little bit dumb. Next night on Raw, Neville comes out and claims that the fans only cheered him because he was vulnerable or small and proceeded to attack Rich Swong along with Brian Kendrick after he interrupted him and TJ Parker then came out to try and save Swan. It's leading to like a tag team four-way kind of feud with Neville and Kendrick versus Swan and TJP back when people liked TJP. And after that, Neville just starts beating the shit out of the Cruiserweight division, starting with TJP and, in a non-title match, Rich Swan. And Live Circuit is just the last of his face days before turning heel and getting early Cruiserweight Championship shots against Rich Swan. Obviously, at this point, all unsuccessful, but that changes in the new year. Um, I managed to talk for an hour on 2015 and managed to blast 2016 in about 20 minutes so i've probably missed out i suppose i don't have to talk about three months of telly and the four he was on he wasn't injured and just not being used so there we go that's that's the that's the the bread that butter sometimes in 2016 neville would have 104 matches with a 75 percent win rate uh 78 wins 26 losses obviously a smaller number because of his uh, ankle injury in the March, or oh, July, that's when he came back. Yeah, four months missing, and he's still getting over 100 matches, which I think is pretty impressive. He's also got, like, since he came back from his injury, he has such little direction and only started picking up in December. So 104 matches, I still think, is pretty impressive for the lad. Um, and yeah, a huge loss of momentum compared to 2015. But at this point, with the WWE saying, hey, look at all our cruiserweights, aren't they great? Remember that cruiserweight classic? You like that? There, and look what we did with the 
the the what's a what's a diva we only have women now people were kind of excited i remember about what neville could do with the 205 live division um hopefully something he did in nxt could then work in something like 205 live just bump them up and make it a bit more relevant a bit more like watchable and yeah, it's there's just a lot of hope for Neville at this point as he goes into more full-time battle with the Cruiserweights and in 205 Live. Obviously, at this point, the Cruiserweights, I, I don't know if they still are now. It's very, very confusing. But uh, 205 Live was sort of like a sub-brand specifically of Monday Night Raw, so they could like bleed over into each other. So, yeah, I think there was just a lot pinned on Neville because he was a very big familiar face. So we'll see how that goes next week on next episode where we look into 2017-2018 Neville um, but as a spoiler 2016 was Neville's final full year with WWE um, yeah it gets kind of wacky and a little bit sad so we all got that to look forward to uh, thank you very much for tuning in listening to me ramble I, I went a lot of diatribes and I apologise unless you find that stuff interesting uh, and then in case you're welcome, let me know how it's going either way at Lifetime Booking on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. Uh, tell me it's going good. Tell me it's going shit. Just please someone talk to me. I am very alone. I talk to myself on a podcast for over an hour a week. That's that's where we are right now. Um, I don't have anything to say. I got everything in really quick. So, yeah, I blabbered on for so long. I've run out of things to say. You're welcome. Uh if you, I hope you enjoyed WrestleMania. There you go. That's something to leave on. Uh, fuck off. Bye.